Some of you may or may not know this, but I am a former comedian. I performed improvisational and sketch comedy for almost 15 years, and I loved it. While I no longer am on stage a couple nights a week, I still love the art of improv comedy and use so many of the skills I gained doing improv in my everyday life and my work and all the things. Yep, despite what you may realize, the foundational principles of improv are some of the most effective principles for doing life and business. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, a community leader, or just an all-around amazing person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Travis Thomas, the founder of Live Yes And, which helps businesses and athletes and people apply the cornerstone improv mindset, Yes And. This mindset focuses on life-transforming collaboration that results in greater profits, but more importantly, a more engaged, creative, and innovative team. This was such a fun episode for me to do. I cannot wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Travis. Hey, Travis. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Molly. Uh, Really excited to be here. Thank you. I am so excited to have an improviser on the show because um, my listeners, you know, I've been out of, I say I've been out of the game for so long that some people may not know that I I have a background in improv and sketch comedy. And I did, I performed for 15 years and performed in New York and LA and Chicago and all over. And so I just, I have such a huge passion and love and heart for comedy and um, improvisation. And when um, I got your email. I was just like, yes, I want an improviser on the show because I want to do improv bits. <laughs> like, <laughs> Fantastic. Let's do it. Let's it's, do it's, bits. It's, it's awesome to I, speak to another yes ander. Let's I know. do it. Yes, yes, and. <laughs> um, exactly. Yes. So I want to get to know you first. Um, obviously, I, I know a little bit about you, um, and I know that you have you know a very strong background in improv, um, and we're going to get into why that is so important in life and in business and how the the foundational principles of improv can really carry you through so many things. Um, but to, before we get into all of that, we got to get to know you a little bit. So I'm Travis, I'm going to have you do what I have all my guests do, and that's give us the Travis 101. So tell us your story. So how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, there's there's really no uh, real clear logical path to, to sort of where I am today, but I, I think that it, it's the the journey is is sort of what makes what I'm doing today um, relevant and hopefully interesting. But uh, you know, I didn't get into improvisation until my mid twenties. Uh, I was out of college. I was married. Uh, my wife and I moved to Boston. We were both working professionally in Boston. I always wanted to take an improv class, but but never had the opportunity, and so. Uh, uh, first weekend in town, uh, we went and saw a show at the Improv Asylum in Boston. Uh, I fell in love with it, and I said, I need to do that. I signed up for the training center, uh, went through all six levels of the training center, and was able to audition in at that point and become a member of the touring company and worked my way up sort of the the, the different levels and, and eventually made it to the main stage cast. And so did that for a couple of years in Boston and uh, was just – just, I mean, more than anything, I loved improvising. I loved the rush. I grew up as an athlete. I loved the feeling of excitement and adrenaline that improvisation sort of provided of, of making stuff up on the spot, but doing it in a collaborative way with other people. And so it wasn't just one person being funny. It was the collaborative spirit of different people coming together and creating something out of nothing. And so it was just this real for someone who's never really taken drugs in their life. It was a, a natural <laughs> high yes. that, uh, that, uh, I, I didn't know how to top. And, um, what I didn't realize at the time was just how, uh, fundamentally transformed, uh, the improv principles, uh, were having on my life. And, and as I started to, uh, my wife and I moved to Florida and I, I started another co-started another group down here in Florida. And then, you know, life has a way of kind of punching you in the gut and asking some big fundamental questions. And so from going, you know, a couple of years of being unemployed and having three kids and trying to ask the big questions of what do I want to do with my life? And I knew that I wanted to inspire people and motivate people. And I enjoyed speaking. I enjoyed performing. I just didn't know what that looked like. 
but these improv principles were really foundational to to everything that I was about. And I could see how they applied to different areas of life. And I got into uh, uh, life coaching and uh, leadership coaching. And I got into personal development in a big way. Uh, but really, from a professional level, kind of found myself at ground zero, not being able to provide for my family, not knowing what my career was going to look like. And this crazy path of try this, try this, try this led me to, you know, doing corporate training, led me to training athletes, led me to starting my own sort of consulting and, um, you know, really a 15 to 20 year, you know, adventure of not really knowing what the path was going to look like, but continuing to say yes and to every opportunity that came along and realizing that my life itself, I was living these principles of improvisation and how they were uh, applicable in personal development. They were completely relevant in the corporate world. They were hugely uh, relevant in the world of sports. And so I, I, I was able to work in all of these fields and have experience working with CEOs and professional athletes and professional teams and going, huh, there really is something to living yes and. And so about three years ago, I went off on my own and, and created my company called Live Yes And, where I, where I help uh, individuals, teams, and companies sort of infuse these, these principles of improvisation into their world and into their life in a way that's transformational and purposeful and powerful and creating dynamic mindsets and cultures. And uh, so that's what I do. I love it. Um, so I, I have so many things, obviously, that I want to talk to you about. Um, but I do want to I want to I want to quickly touch on what you are doing now, because um, I think, you know, obviously this is the foundation of this podcast is is I, I like to show people and, and do these interviews with different types of entrepreneurs and business owners who are are making an impact with what they do for a living. And, and so often I feel like people have this desire to give back or they have this desire to leave a legacy or they have this desire to make and make a difference in someone's life. And they think that they can't do it with what they do for a living. And yet here you are and an improviser, a comedian who is now impacting thousands of people by what you do for a living. And that's just by teaching them what you know. And so um, I'd love for you to just kind of share a little bit more in depth about what you do with Live Yes And and like, how do you, so I know you do speaking and training and all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, who are your ideal clients and how do you, how do you, you kind of take where they are and show them what is possible? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think who who are my ideal clients? You know, it, it's interesting. It's, you know, I mean, I've had the opportunity to work with, you know, professional sports teams, you know, uh, um, and then go and work in many different industries in the corporate world. And I'm going into schools now more and more and talking to staff and talking to teachers and talking to students. And, and the reason being is because, you know, uh, every aspect of my message, it, it's not about sports. It's not about school. It's not about business. It's, it's about life and it's about relationships. Mm-hmm. It's about mindset. It's about relationships. It's about how we live our own lives and how we collaborate with others. And as a fellow improviser, you understand that, that at the heart of improvisation is it's, uh, it's creativity and collaboration coming together. And so, well, that's absolutely what great companies are based on is, is creativity and collaboration and coming together. And that's what high performance sports teams are about is creativity and collaboration coming together. And so I've really kind of just used my background in leadership development and personal development uh, and, then, and then bringing in these tools of improvisation as a way to take really deep, powerful, but yet simple transformational ideas from how we communicate to how we think, to what we believe, uh, and, and, and really being able to present them in a really fun and interactive way that uh, instead of just talking about empathy, instead of just talking about compassion and collaboration, we get to experience them. So my workshops and my classes and, and my presentations, even my keynote addresses, they are 100 uh, percent experiential yeah. and so I, i'm bringing people up on stage with me to do these activities i'm having people sitting in their chairs if it's a thousand people they're still going to sit in their chairs and, and and do something with the person sitting next to them yeah. so it's not just me as a talking head explaining why i think this idea is relevant to you you're, we're actually going to do something where you're going to feel oh yes by simply changing uh, my perspective by simply changing uh, how I am showing up in this conversation, uh, 
I'm going to be able to experience and feel that, wow, that actually has a really impactful uh, way uh, of, of, of how I connect with people, or it has a very transformational way of how, of how I respond to adversity or challenge or someone who has a different, different opinion than me. So at the heart of what I do, it's, it's, it's just getting down to the relationship level of any great team is built on great relationships. Yes. And, uh, but yeah, you can't show up and be great in a relationship if your own, um, <laughs> mental, uh, uh, approach to life is a mess. And so, uh, we're going to bring our mess and we're going to bring our baggage into every environment and every relationship that we show up in. So unless we've got our own stuff sort of, uh, uh handled, or at least, uh, we're working on it, every environment that we go into, we're going to bring that mess with us. And so you always have to start with the individual but then from the individual I talk about now, how do we collectively work together in a way that's respectful and that builds trust and respect and safety? And uh, we just have a lot of fun doing it using this uh, improvisational yes and approach. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yes. So I want to talk a little bit about the foundation the foundational principles of improv, and this is something we've 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 touched on very briefly here. Um, but this is this is so much of why I I preach even to this day, even though I you know I'm not improvising as regularly as as I used to be. Actually, I haven't in in years now, um, really since I had kids. It's it's hard to get to the improv theater once you have kids. Um, but you know I, these foundational imp- principles of improv have truly carried me throughout my adult life, um, even when my life was a complete disaster and I was just at at, at rock bottom. Um, the foundational principles of improv really are, are a big part of who I am and my personality. Um, and so I want to talk about those because for people that have never taken an improv class, um, they might have zero clue what we are talking about. And so, um, and this is also why I tell people that I don't care what industry you work in, what you do for a living, who you are as a person. I believe everybody should take an improv 101 class in their life. You don't have to go beyond improv 101 <laughs> if you don't want Absolutely. to. Absolutely. But nope. improv 101, like like I, like we said is those foundational principles are so important. So let's talk about those. So first, let's talk about yes and. What is yes and? Yes, yes and improvisationally uh, really simply means that if you and I are doing a scene together, and you understand this, but for our audience, if you and I are doing a scene together and one of us shares an idea, we know that the other person is going to say yes to our idea. And what that yes essentially means is acceptance. Yes. I, I accept your idea as uh, as valid, as real for the story that we're telling. So we know that going in. And so now you and I have the freedom and the courage to really take some risks and make some choices because we know our partner has our back. Yes. So the yes, the yes aspect is that agreement. I know that uh, well, agreement and acceptance. I know that you are going to accept my idea. The and, right, the and is not only am I going to accept your idea, I'm going to build off of your idea. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take your idea and I'm going to further your idea by building off of it. So that's the and. The and is our uh, a supportive response. Yeah. And so all an improvised scene is uh, two or more actors just simply yes-anding each other's ideas in a way that builds uh, a story and keeps the story moving in a collaborative way that can go in any direction because all they're doing is yes-anding each other's ideas. And so uh, the yes is acceptance. The and is your response, your supportive response. And so when you take that into life, right, uh, I like to say that life is what is happening. And so we have to say yes to what is happening. We have to be an acceptance of what is happening. We don't have to like what's happening. In fact, you know, we don't have to like it at all, but we have to accept it. We have to accept that whatever our circumstances are, whatever, whatever is coming at us, we need to accept it. Uh, but that doesn't make us a victim because mm-hmm. our and our response to it is is where we have power. We actually have a lot of power yeah. to how we respond to everything that happens to us. And so when our and response to life is powerful and it's purposeful and it's positive, well, then we're just we're simply in collaboration with life compared to being in 
competition with life or it being in denial of life. And so, you know, um, one of my expressions that I like to say is that you cannot progress until you say yes. You know, we, we just can't make any progress in life until we accept that this is what is happening to us. And how would I respond if I were responding from the best version of myself? If I was responding from my yes, my your excellent self, if I was responding from my yes, what would my response look like? And that's where we have power. And so that same principle of that's what it looks like on stage is you and I yes anding each other. But we yes and life by simply um, choosing to collaborate and respond to whatever is happening, whether that means being unemployed or or, or coming down with an illness or being in a relationship that's falling apart, we still have to accept it, but then we get to choose how we respond to it. Yes. I love that you use the term victor versus victim. And, and when you, um, when you say yes, like you're, you're not coming from that victim mentality. And this is something that is so applicable in today's day and age when, when people, when life hands them lemons, they just want to play the victim. Um, and life is hard. Life is tough. Life sucks sometimes. Um, but what are you Mm going to do with that? And, you know, I look you know, I look back on my life and I think about the times when I was really at rock bottom and when I was broke, when I was in a when I was in a difficult relationship, when I was unemployed, mm-hmm. um, when I had hurt people in my life because of my own brokenness. Um, and and I look back and I mean, I you know, a lot of what I see the world through. I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I, I very much am, come from this standpoint of like not the the very frou-frou like greeting card. Everything happens for a reason. But like I re- I really mm-hmm. do believe um in God's plan. Like that's just, that's part of who I am. Um, but I also see it in like, in how do we respond to life's challenges and, and, and all of those things while they sucked at the time, I so much see how I used those as opportunities to grow and to change and to impact other people. I mean, I would not be where I am today doing what I do had it not been for those terrible circumstances. And so, you know, by taking that, you know, I was doing improv during a lot of those really dark times mm-hmm. in my life, you know, and and I mm-hmm. believe that that foundational principle of yes and is what really helped me to not go crazy. <laughs> and right. yeah, yeah, because, you know, and I always like to say, you know, if you really like put it down in, in, in like the plainest of forms, like if we were to, to actually do like a yes and scene, you know, it's like if if you're coming out into the scene and you say like, like, hey, Molly, the dinosaur. And I'm like, I'm not a dinosaur. Like, it's like, great scene over. Like, you know, <laughs> so it's like we, right. we've not right. we've not done anything. And so if 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 you are exper- experiencing something in life and somebody has handed you an opportunity and you completely say say no to that then then scene over like <laughs> where are you going from there so whether you know whether it's not the right fit you know you can still say like what is what is the other opportunity or what is the other path that i can say yes to and how can i grow from there and so i but i i i'll be honest i don't think i've ever heard it from the perspective of victor versus victim, which I love, that is so unique um, and, and really, I think, can connect and resonate with so many people. No, absolutely. And I, I think that's that's the difficult part, which is why I always have to, um, you know, preface when I'm explaining sort of the whole yes and thing, the idea of you don't have to like it, but you have to accept it. Yes. And I, I think a lot of times when, when people, myself included, when negative when negative things happen to us, uh, there's this sense of oh well something negative's happened to me. I, I, I'm a victim. I've been victimized by this negative circumstance. Mm-hmm. And then the reality is like no, like bad things are going to happen, right? And that stinks. And it's no it's it's no it's no fun to go through. Uh, but you're not a victim until you stop until you stop taking progressive steps. Yeah. And it's it, it's only when we when we stop and quit and say that there's nothing that I can do that we've truly accepted this idea of victimhood compared to all right, this isn't what I expected uh, or this isn't what I wanted, quote unquote, but this is what is happening, so how am I going to yes and this now? And and mm-hmm. and again, especially for an audience of entrepreneurs or business owners, I mean uh, how often are things going to go as planned from a business or entrepreneurial <laughs> yeah. perspective compared to, yeah. So it's like, it, unless you accept 
uh, and expect failure to be a normal part of the learning and growing uh, and, and process of success, you're going to constantly be um, questioning yourself and you're probably going to be quitting a lot unless you've really set yourself up to, to deal with failure, but not failure as a personal reflection on your worth, but failure as a, an extremely valuable learning tool. Because of course, you, you can't understand something until you've had to go through it and experience mm-hmm. it. And that's what being an entrepreneur is all about. Yeah. That's what life is all about. <laughs> Absolutely. And that leads me to the second principle. And this is not in like any particular order, but one of the other principles of improv that I love and value so much is that there are no mistakes in improv. There are um, zero mistakes. Favorites. Yeah. It's one of my yeah. favorites as well. And, and to me, when I think back to my years doing improv, um, some of my, I mean, because, you know, I did probably thousands of of shows over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think back, like, there are certain improv scenes that still, to this day, stand out of my mind. I can tell you exactly what happened in that scene. I'm like, oh, this was so funny. And I, I could say probably in 99% of those scenes, what made that scene so fantastic was a, of what some people would think is a mistake. But instead of it being a mistake, it ended up being this unexpected gift. And it just made the scene so hilarious and, and rich and fun and just one of those scenes that like when you get out of that scene, you're just like, oh, man, that was fun. Oh, that was fun. You know, so can we talk a little bit about that? Talk about why are there no mistakes in improv and how that translates to life? Yeah, the idea of there are of, of no, it's, it's great. I was, I, was, I was kind of teaching a little improv uh, group last night and this is a little informal group that gets together and it's more about applying the principles of improvisation to your life, but, but again, using sort of the theater games as a way of, 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 um, of teaching it. We were talking about this idea that there are no mistakes and, and improvisation, right? There are no mistakes because you're making up reality in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so you can, so any mistake that is made is only a mistake if you really stop and call it out and don't move forward compared to what you're talking about is your scene partner, I quote unquote, makes a mistake. And again, to, to throw in another idea of improvisation, which is your goal in improvisation is to make your partners look brilliant, to look yep. genius. Yep. And so if I'm performing with you and I see that you've made a mistake, well, my, my, my job is not to point out your mistake. My job is to take your mistake and actually justify it in a way that actually turns <laughs> the scene into something much more interesting and much more creative, which is right. what you're talking about. Right. So we then use, we use mistakes as portals to new adventures that have never been created before because that's what mistakes do mistakes open up they open up doors that uh we we would not have chosen uh otherwise and um if we can do that uh uh in our life if we can approach life from the standpoint of we're never trying to make a mistake in life uh but if we're always operating from doing doing our best i'm making a decision right now based on um uh, uh, making the best decision with, with what I feel is right right now. Yes, we're going to make mistakes in life, but our intention at the time was to do the, do the best with what we have. And so if we're constantly approaching life from that standpoint, yes, we're going to make mistakes when we look at life retroactively. Um, but if we're just realizing that I'm going to make the best decision that I can, knowing that I can't control the outcome, but I'll just then yes and respond to whatever that new outcome is and continually to live life that way. Yeah. Yes. And and again, like looking at those mistakes or those things that some would call as a mistake. And sh- sh- sure, I've made mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. Um, but I use them as unexpected gifts. I use them as unexpected jumping off points for, OK, well, how can I grow from this and how can I make this mo- more interesting or how can I share this moment, this mistake with others, um, you know, to maybe impact their life. And obviously we're talking, you know, you can kind of interchangeably, you know, from an improv scene to life. Um, but it really does. It helps so much to know that to, it gives you a confidence um, to know that if there are no mistakes, then then what can what is possible? You know, right. Right. You know, I like to say there, there's no mistakes. There's just unintended outcomes. Yes. Right? There was I was trying to do this, but but this is what happened. And so I didn't really make a mistake. I just didn't get the outcome that I was expecting. And isn't that life anyways? And so you whatever happens, well, now that's your new reality. 
And it's, it's not a matter of I'm just going to go out and try to make mistakes or try to screw up. It's no, I'm trying to do my best, but knowing that I can't control the outcome. And that's the same in sports and that's the same in life. And so, but my intention in that moment was I thought I was doing the right thing or I thought I was doing the best that I could do in that moment. And, and what more can we ask from ourselves than that? Uh, and just knowing that, that that life is a series of course correctment, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly course correcting where this is what felt like the, you know, the best. And that's why I feel this, this idea of we need to be grounded in something. You know, you mentioned being Christian and being grounded in your faith, right? Yeah. So each of us, no matter what our what our faith or religion looks like, we, we need to be grounded in something. And when, yeah. and when we're, when we're grounded in a clear sense of purpose. So if we're constantly sort of, if our, and if our yes, and response is grounded from our purpose, well, then we're always responding from what feels most true to us. Mm-hmm. And then whatever happens as a result, we respond to that from that sense of purpose. And then we respond to that from our sense of purpose. And so, yeah, you can look back and say, wow, we really screwed that up. Or you could just say, wow, that's not the outcome that I intended, but it totally set me up for this opportunity, which led to this opportunity, which led to this opportunity. I know you're having so much fun listening to this conversation with Travis, and I wanted to just take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show who is able to help make it possible, and that's Causebox. As you know, Causebox is my favorite ethical subscription box. I've been a personal subscriber for over two and a half years. How it works is each season, a new box is released filled with everything from accessories, home goods, and jewelry to the best in skincare and wellness products that are not only amazing, but they also do the most good. The products are not just beautiful. They're also useful. The summer box just sold out. It sold out fast, but do not fret because there is actually an exclusive special edition box that is available now that contains the best products from the spring and summer cause box. It's amazing. So don't forget to go over to stillbeingmolly.com slash cause box and use the coupon code Molly for $15 off to reserve your special edition cause box. Now back to my conversation with Travis. Another one of the foundational principles of improv, and we've we've touched on this because I think this is one that is kind of a common thread through everything, both in the no mistakes, in the yes and, and that is just that unconditional support um, and creating that safe space for the people in your scene um, to know that you have their back, that they have your back. Because, you know, for, for anybody that has never done improv, improv is both terrifying and exhilarating, and it yeah. is... It is all the feels. And I loved what you said before where you're just like, I've never done drugs and I've never done drugs either. Um, you're welcome, everybody. Uh, but it, it is it is a rush and it is an adrenaline rush like no other to stand up in front of a crowd and to take a suggestion from the audience and to literally have no idea what you're going to do next. Um, it's both terrifying and so exciting. I remember the first time that I performed at the Del Close Marathon, which is a huge improv um, festival in New York City. And I was backstage and I saw that Horatio Sands and Amy Poehler were in the audience. And I about lost my dang mind. And I was I've never been more scared in my entire life. But I also used that fear. um, And and one of the he's kind of the, the, you know, as you know, the father of improv, uh, Del Close, his whole thing is follow the fear. Right. And so I would just I, I took that fear and I used it as motivation for me to be able to, to, you know, to fuel myself. But I knew part of what helped me get through that fear was I knew that the people I was going on stage with had my back and they were not going to make me look like an idiot, even though I was terrified I was going to look like an idiot in front of Horatio Sands and Amy Poehler. Um, and um, I was terrified that I was going to just, that I was going to mess up, but I knew walking on that stage that no matter what happened, my team had my back. So let's talk a little bit about that, about that foundational principle of improv of that unconditional support and what that looks like. Well, that really is, that is exactly what it's all about. And, um, you know, I think at at the foundation of of, of the work that I do and the most relevant aspect of of the work that I do from an improvisational standpoint is this idea of the reason improvisation 
can be done well is because you have created a level of trust, respect, and value amongst the people that you perform with that gives you that parachute to go out on stage and take risks and to and to do the thing that scares you. Why? Because I know you have my back. And the thing that that prevents great companies from being great, that prevents great relationships from being healthy, that prevents great sports teams from being exceptional, is this idea that to the extent that you have that level of safety and trust mm -hmm. in that relationship, it is either going to propel you or hold you back. Yeah. Because I call it the turtle effect, right? We are all turtles and we only stick our neck out so far as we feel safe. Mm -hmm. And if I'm in a relationship or if I'm in an environment where I don't feel safe, I'm not going to take risks because no one wants to get their head chopped off. Yeah. But when I'm in an environment where I feel, and that's why I, I talk about the idea of authenticity so much, when I feel like I can be my authentic self, vulnerabilities, faults, blemishes and all, and you still love me, well, now I, I can just come out and just be my best and take chances because you still love me despite my faults. Yeah. And, and whether that's a work in, environment or whether that's my marriage or whether that is a sports team or whether that's the people that I perform on stage with, the more time we spend developing that, the collaboration, the innovation, and the creativity will take care of itself. But if we just jump to the creativity and the output without realizing that the output is a direct um, uh, uh, effect of the relationships that create that output – then we're just going to keep spinning our wheels. We're going to keep blaming, well, it's just I need to hire someone new or get rid of this person because we're not we're not understanding that what makes the creativity possible is the safety and the relationships that allow for that level of of authenticity. Right. And you know, this this makes me think so much of like when we we go into it with a, with that safe that safety mindset that that trust mind, mindset that unconditional support it just creates um, both an improv and in life. It creates such a beautiful um, – it, it can just be beautiful. I mean, and, it, and you think about like – you know, I've, I've, I've taught improv too over the years and, and I always just say to people, I'm like, don't try too hard because when you come out and you just try to immediately be some wackadoo character and you just think that you're going to like make the scene funny because you're just immediately acting funny, um, you know, and, and, and you're trying too hard in that moment, then you're actually sometimes making it more difficult for your teammates um, because they don't necessarily know how to support that if there's like all of a sudden this like wackadoo character that that they can't interact with right. um, and so then it, you know but then if you think about how that translates to life like or in business you know if you're if you're just trying too hard if you're trying to push it or grow too fast and you're not like just allowing the things to unfold that are right in front of you, um, sometimes you you miss opportunities for uh, for 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 learning, for growth, for change, all of that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, so that 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 unconditional support just really translates so well to so many different areas. Yeah, and if, if you're trying so hard, what what you're really doing is again, you know you are making it more about you mm -hmm. than anything else, yep. right? Whether, whether that's your business or whether that's a relationship or sports or whatnot, that idea of trying so hard is actually making it harder for everyone else around you to support you. Uh, because what you're really doing is you become so internally focused that yep. you're not necessarily thinking again about how am I making my other teammates? How am I uh, making my other uh, uh, team uh, look good because I'm trying so hard because at the end of the day, I kind of want to look really good. Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to do too much. I'm trying to be too funny. I'm trying to come up with crazy ideas instead of thinking about, wait, what am I doing right now to support someone else's idea or to make them look real brilliant? Uh, so yeah, that, 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 uh, that act of trying too hard can almost make it harder for those around us to support us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, this just reminded me of, so I had a, an improv group that I was a part of. I mean, I've been a part of lots of different teams, but I had a team that I was with um, in Richmond 
uh, right after I graduated from college, and we we started our own long form improv team. And this is the team we would kind of you know take to festivals, and we called it Made of Bees. <laughs> Made of Bees was our improv team name, and uh, improv team names are always really fun to see what people name themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and people always ask like why why did Made of Bees? And I was like, literally, it was so that we could walk out on stage and say, "Hello, everyone, we are Made of Bees," and that was literally why we named it that it's so silly and people are like wait what uh, yeah I don't know anyway so we, we we performed together for years and we were just such a close-knit group and we just really knew each other it was that just perfect you know unconditional support um, and then you know one of us moved to I moved to North Carolina another uh, one of our team members moved to LA and you know everybody was kind of moving off and doing their own thing and um, a couple years ago we had a reunion show and we got invited back to a, a comedy club we used to perform at all the time we did this reunion show and we literally had not seen each other um, in years like probably two or three years and we hadn't performed together in that long and we got invited and we warmed up a little bit before but we it's not like we rehearsed or anything and we just went on stage but it was I was not nervous because it was just like I I know these people and I know that they have my back and we had an awesome show and so it's like what other thing in life can you just get together with a group of people not rehearse at all and just go up on stage and do an entire you know 30 minute set without practicing um and yet be successful you know and it's just it's because all of us we have we knew each other but but most of all we knew that whatever was going to happen in that scene we had each other's backs and so it just it just made me think of that now I'm all like reminiscing (laughs) no it's that yeah again you that that the trust that you have developed over that amount of time and and you know we can probably count on one hand the number of people in our life that that we have that level of safety Mm -hmm. uh, with and uh to to be able to you know, so from that standpoint, when you have that kind of relationship, you can come back together over a series of years and it's like riding a bike because you just know that these people, they have your back. And, uh, you know, yeah, I get to experience that monthly, right? Because we, you know, the group that I helped start in 2004, you know, we still perform monthly and one of our, you know, uh, guys lives in New York City now and me and my other guy were down here in Florida and we get together once. Yeah, we don't rehearse anymore. And obviously we could use some rehearsal, but we we do a tech run and a warm up, you know, uh, an hour before the show. And and then we jump on stage and it's like, yes, I've got your back. I've got your back. You've got my back. You've got yeah. my back. Let's, let's do this. And uh, there's something really special and fun about that. It really it really, really is. Um, OK, I could. I could honestly just sit here and talk improv bits all day long. Um, but this is actually the portion of the show where we're going to transition a little bit. And I'm just going to ask you some get to know you questions. Um, and I know that you're going to do it because you yes and everything. So <laughs> this is also the portion of the show, as my listeners know, where my amazing husband, who is my executive producer, inserts a fun sound effect to transition us to the get to know you portion. One person asks the questions, the other person has to answer each question as soon as it's asked, and I mean immediately. It doesn't okay. matter if the answer is right or wrong, it just has to be the very first thing that pops into okay. your head. Uh, Will, since you're the guest, I'll uh, read your questions first. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Lights. Which rabbit is the best? Uh, Joe. How, how big is the big man? Uh, he's, he's bigger, he's, he's bigger than you think he is, but he's smaller than a jockey. Why were, why were you late for my wedding? Because my dad said, knock it off. (laughs) Name the best place. Oh, Alaska. (laughs) What are the names of the two firemen? There's, uh... Captain Ron. (laughs) Captain Ron? Yes. Yes, and? Cecil. So, Travis. Are you ready? Oh, yes. And I also want to uh, to tell all your listeners that if the audio has changed, that is because of me, not Molly. (laughs) My my AirPods, which were supposed to be fully charged, uh, died on me. And so now you're hearing the difference between an AirPod mic and uh, my laptop mic. So I apologize. No, you're good. Yeah, it did at one point. And I was just like, you know what? We're going to yes and it. And we're going to... We're rolling with it. We're embracing the mistakes. See, people, the foundations of improv applied to podcasting as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> All right, perfect. So, uh, first question is who would play you in a movie about your life? Oh, wow. Who would play me? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, clearly, I would love to say Ryan Gosling. Uh, <laughs> it, but it would get that response right there. Oh, gosh. I love it. I think Don Knotts, God bless him, I think he's passed on, and so he couldn't play me. Uh, how about John Schneider from the Dukes of Hazard? Oh, that's uh, good. That's good. Yeah, I, I've gotten that on good days, so oh. we'll go with John Schneider. I like it. Now, what would the movie be called? Uh, the movie would be called uh, Nice Guys Don't Finish Last. Oh, I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, what is the first concert you ever attended? Uh, oh, this is great. Um uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure, oh, was it the first one? I would like, I want to say it was Sting uh, at the Palace of Auburn Hills in Detroit, Michigan. Nice. Because uh, my, my dad had, was doing like ticket sharing with uh, a couple of other friends of his. And so we were getting tickets to all these events. So I, I'm going to say Sting, but I also want to throw out there just for you listeners that because of this ticket sharing that we were doing, I got to see um the backstreet boys yes uh, uh, i got to see vanilla ice nice. uh, i got to see uh, uh madonna in all her glory and so yeah there were some really classic uh sort of kind of late 80s early 90s uh train wreck performers uh that were a lot of fun to see that uh i'm proud to say that i saw i so love it We'll go with Sting, though. I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, if you could invite three people, dead or alive, to a dinner party, who would they be and why? Oh, wow. These, I hate these questions. <laughs> both and Molly. All right. Uh, dead or alive? I know, uh, right? All right. Sorry. Who, who do I want to go with? Uh, I'll go with Malcolm Gladwell, who oh, is that's, alive. That's a good one. Uh, he fascinates me. I, yes. I love how he thinks. I love how he, he disseminates and shares information. Mm-hmm. Go with Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, alive. Uh, dead. Uh, Got to go with someone, you know, extremely interesting historically. Uh, I would love to go with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Nice. Um, I just saw a wonderful play about his life called The Mountaintop. Yeah. Um, and I would love to hear more about what he was thinking about towards the end of his life, yeah. as I think as he was sort of wrestling with some things. That would be fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and, and alive, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Ellen DeGeneres. I just nice. love Ellen. I, I do love everything about Ellen. And I would love to just sit down with her and and just be around her presence. So there you go. There's my three. I love it. I think that's great. Okay, so I want to ask you some improv questions. Are you cool? Let's do it. All right. Do you prefer long form or short form improv? Oh, great question. Uh, I love long form as an improviser, mm-hmm. um, as a challenge, as a as a you know, as an adrenaline rush. So long form to me is very, very fun to do. I've done more short form because that's how we've kind of structured our shows. Yeah. Um, So I love long form, but I will say short form done really, really well is just amazing because I, it's, I I think the uh, short form can get a bad reputation. Oh, it's short form. It's a gimmicky anyway, but, but done really well, I think, um, can just be so much fun because you're, you're capturing, you know, you're capturing sort of so much joy and creativity in really um, in one single scene. And so uh, but I do I do love the possible payoff that long form offers. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I I agree. I mean, I think I've done both short form and, and long form. And for those that are like, wait, what what's the difference? Short form, I always say like, you think like whose line is it in any way that like kind of made short form famous in a lot yep. of ways? Um, whose line is anyway, or comedy sports or anything like that. If you've, if you've heard of those things, that's short form or it's kind of just games that, that, uh, improvisers are playing long form is going to be more like they're going to get one suggestion from the audience and then they're going to do a 30 or 40 minute show based off that suggestion. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I think as an improviser to me, long form is just more fun because of the challenge. Um, but yeah, a really well done short form show, there's just nothing like it. Right, because short form, you, you, I mean, you screw up a short form scene, and that's kind of the scene. Yeah. Uh, uh, long form, you can have some stumbling along the way as you're trying to as you're trying to figure things out. Yeah. Um, knowing that, and if you've got a good cast, you're going to kind of again take all those little stumbles and turn them into something. Yeah. Uh, short form, it's harder to fix a short form scene that uh, that has some 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 rocky moments. Yeah. So, 
yeah, so I, I love them both, though. For sure, for sure. Do you have, and this kind of is a jumping off point from this, do you have a favorite, um, like, famous, you know, or I guess famous in the improv community, famous improv show that you've seen or group that you've seen perform that you just, you love everything they do? I would have to say the Groundlings. Yes, um, uh, yes. I, I've, I've had a few friends that uh, I performed with in Boston who ended up in L.A., and I think two of them are full-fledged Groundlings right now. Uh, but over the years, uh, I've had the opportunity to see the Groundlings a number of times. Um, they do a show called, I think it's called like Crazy Uncle Joe's mm-hmm. uh, uh, Long Form, which again is like a 30 to 45 minute long form. And uh, a few of their long forms that I've seen uh, have just absolutely blown me away. Yeah. Uh, where I'm not even jealous, I'm just in awe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Of, of the of that ability uh, and, and and most of it is a reflection of how well connected they are with one another mm-hmm. how well they are listening uh, and how they're just picking up each other's ideas left and right but uh, yeah the groundlings have definitely blown me away yeah they there's they don't miss anything and yeah oh. there is um, my favorite I would like to answer this question too because I it's just my I tell people about them all the time is the improvised Shakespeare company it, yeah have you seen them uh, I have never seen the improvised. Oh. No, I haven't seen them. I've heard of them, but I've never seen them. If you ever get a chance to see, I literally tell people about them all the time because it is the most genius, intelligent improv I've ever seen in my life. Um, Thomas Middleditch, who actually is now like yeah. doing his own thing. He was originally, I know him from the improvised Shakespeare. I was like, I remember when, now that he's in all these Verizon commercials, I'm like, that's improvised Shakespeare guy. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Silicon Valley, so, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but he, um, yeah, the, the improvised Shakespeare company, I mean, they literally get a suggestion of a Shakespearean play that has never been performed, never been written, and yeah. they improvise an entire Shakespearean play and like Shakespearean garb and they I mean they even sometimes improvise an iambic pentameter I mean it's unreal and it is yeah that's another level it's another level I just I'm blown (laughs) away every time I see it uh and I've never seen a bad show never um I don't think it's possible for them to do a bad show I'm sure they've had them but I I certainly have never seen yeah. it. Okay. Of course, uh, yeah, I was going to say, and of course I have yeah. to recognize my roots with Improv Asylum. Yeah. Boston. I'm still very close and connected to them. That's um, awesome. And uh, I'll throw my, my little uh, uh, improv company most people probably haven't heard of but definitely need to see uh, if, if you're ever in the, uh, the Dallas or Fort Worth area to go check out Four Day Weekend. Oh, awesome. They had an amazing, amazing show they've been putting on there for over 10 years, uh, so four-day weekend. And, of course, anyone in Florida, you need to come see the Jove Comedy Experience. That's us. Yes. Jove Comedy Experience. That's awesome. Um, what is your favorite improv game? If you're going to do short form, what's your favorite game? Oh, wow. Uh, you know what? I think the one that uh, I, I really love doing is uh, is Serious Scene. And the way we set up Serious Scene is that we vary sort of, uh, you know, melodramatically. Uh, we tend to do it towards the end of the show. Uh, we let the audience know that uh, we are serious actors and thespians. <laughs> and uh, that this for this next scene, we are going to do a very serious, dramatic scene. But if for some reason, one of the actors makes you laugh, and you all laugh out loud, that actor will be replaced by another actor, and the scene will continue. Yeah. And of course, you know, so it, you just tend to do very highly dramatic work. And, and of course, as as the scene builds, it's laugh after laugh after laugh. And and again, we're doing three person shows. And so we're literally, you, you know, the, 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 the third actor who's off stage is is you're running in every few beats yeah. to replace an actor and you can't remember who you're playing. And uh, but from a pacing and from a beat standpoint uh, and from just having fun with with silence and, and, and overly serious schmacting. <laughs> uh, it's, it's such a, it's such a fun scene to play. I've never played that game. I want to play that game because yeah. that sounds awesome. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and then my last question is for what today are you most grateful for? Oh, love the gratitude uh, questions. What am I most grateful for is as I, I hear my wife and kids uh, pulling lunch together downstairs. Um, you know, I'm grateful for as uncertain and crazy 
that my life feels right now, both mainly professionally, having no idea what next week is going to look like and what's what you know and where the next job or or, or gig is going to come from. I'm grateful to be sitting in uh, my two sons' room uh, on a chair that's too small for me, looking at a bunk bed and realizing that I've I've landed in a uh, doing work that I'm passionate about. Uh, that brings me a lot of joy and I'm able to spend a lot of time with my family. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. That is fantastic. Well, Travis, this has been so much fun. And I, it's like I almost wish that we could just do an hour improvised uh, podcast episode because that would be really fun. Oh, I mean, huh? like, yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. On. It'd be like old school or like, you know, the the bat. It could be like the bat if you've ever done yes. a, a, the bat, which is um, a improv, a long form improv in the dark. Um, we always used to yeah. do the bat around Halloween. Um, right. And so you literally go to a theater to see a live improv show and then they just turn off the lights. Um, but that would be yeah, that would be so much fun. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Hey, you just say when and I'm in. Yes, yes. Well, Travis, this has been, like I said, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, For the listeners, I will have all of Travis's information um, as well as his uh, links to Live Yes And and all of that in the show notes. Um, And let me just leave you with this is go take an Improv 101 class. Seriously, find one in your community. Take an Improv 101 class and it will change your life. Thanks, Molly. I, I appreciate it. For anyone who thought, wow, those ideas sounded really helpful, they can buy my book. Yes. Three words for getting unstuck, live yes and. But if you go to my website, you'll find all that information. Awesome. Thank you so much, Travis. I really appreciate your time. You got it, Molly. Have a great day. You too. I had so much fun chatting with Travis. It really made me miss my improv comedy days. But I also just love talking about how improv can really be applied to so many areas in our lives. Don't forget to visit the show notes for all the details on today's episode and for how to connect with Travis. Another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, Causebox. Visit stillbeingmolly.com slash Causebox and use that coupon code Molly for $15 off. Okay, real quick. My 100th podcast episode is coming up here in a couple of weeks, and my husband John and I have a really fun episode planned for you guys, and we have a special Q&A portion that we're going to do just for you. If you want to ask a question of me, my husband John, or the both of us, send your question to hello at stillbeingmolly.com. Just email hello at stillbeingmolly.com and put in the subject line Q&A and we will ask your question live on air on the episode. As always, thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, thank you. Welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out and thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the podcast. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. And if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast or tag me at Still Being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman. And the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.